Hello, bonjour, and tancé. I'm Paula Simons, and this is Alberta Unbound. This is the fourth episode of our podcast, and it's called Reclaiming Our Stories. If you've listened to our previous three episodes, you'll know that I'm an independent senator from Edmonton, Alberta. And you'll know that this podcast is a lightly edited version of a live panel discussion I hosted in Edmonton on March 5th, 2020. The voices you'll hear in this segment belong to Shannon Stubbs, the Conservative MP for the riding of Lakeland, Omar Mawalam, an award-winning Edmonton journalist, Dr. Diana Steinauer, an elder from the Saddle Lake Cree Nation who's also president of Edmonton's Yellowhead Tribal College, Dr. Jared Wesley, a professor of political science at the University of Alberta, and Doug Griffiths, an author and consultant who's also a former provincial cabinet minister. In this episode, you'll hear first from Shannon, who picks up the conversation we'd been having about Alberta's redneck reputation and how we can fight back against stereotypes and those on both sides who perpetuate them. Just a heads up, this particular episode features some very strong language. If you've been listening with your family, that's awesome. But there is a part of this segment that uses definitely unparliamentary vocabulary. We've decided not to beep it because this isn't radio. But I did want to give you fair warning. And now, get ready for salty episode four reclaiming our stories. Like, I think these are individuals' things. Like, there's, I think we could find countless examples where individuals do dumb things or they're bad people or they say stupid things. And I just am, I, I am very hesitant to then apply it collectively. Well, which, the litmus which, test well, is the word we surprised. Which I'm not suggesting is necessarily I mean, happening here, but I think can happen. And, and it, I just I have some discomfort with that. The litmus test is were we surprised? And the Were point, we surprised that this happened in Alberta? And the point about, it's your point about the, it's kind of, that's interesting. Thank you for the, the thought, um, for the analysis about a conservative mind. So being the person who's sort of like the most openly labeled conservative here, <laughs> what's, uh, although I, I think we could have a debate about what that means in real time, um, because I do have a political philosophy background. So maybe I'll just come to your classes <laughs> and blow this whole pop stand. But, um, I, uh, you know, there, I'm sure that I know Doug grappled with this too, being elected. There, of course, are spectrums, I think, which all fall in our politics and self-identify as conservatives, which might be classical liberals, wealthy conservatives, a whole gamut of conservatives, libertarians, da da da. So we we are boxing and labeling even while we why we say we're not. But as the person who's sort of, I guess, the most openly identified as a conservative, I think the issue that I was trying to press by talking through some of these things that I'm pretty sure most Albertans don't even know about themselves, never mind, or about our province, never mind the rest of the country and the world, is that I'm the one openly identified as a conservative, but I'm also trying to be the exact person saying, these are stories mm -hmm. we tell ourselves. Yeah. And we've to mm -hmm. told stereotypes, we've told our st ourselves and defined ourselves in our province based on stereotypes. Well, and, So and, that's just the case I'm trying to... Yeah, and, and we're defined that way too. I mean, I, I made this comment on Ryan Jesperson's show today, but I'm going to say it again because I liked saying it. Um, you know, the day that Greta Thunberg was here, marching in the streets of Edmonton, and thousands and thousands of Edmontonians marched with her. And the CBC's lead story was about five guys from Red Deer who drove up with trucks, and they did not talk to one single one of the young people 
uh, including mm. my daughter, who were marching mm. in the street. Mm. The day that there was that remarkably moving memorial at the University of Alberta for all of the Edmontonians and indeed all of the Canadians who died in the plane that was shot down over Tehran, and thousands of Edmontonians, they had to turn people away. Thousands of Edmontonians came out to mourn these Iranian Canadians and Iranian students. And the, the story instead was about five guys who were standing outside the legislature being really right wing. And I oh, do get frustrated. Yeah. I, and I do get frustrated that, yeah. that I think there is, at the risk of sounding like a redneck Albertan, I do think there is a central Canadian default narrative that, that paints us in that way. And I think the challenge is for us not to play into that narrative, yes. um, you know, by, by underlining it. So Cynthia is making five, is making fingers at me. So, um, well, okay. <laughs> I, I, I want to maybe tell a, a nice story uh, about what it means to be Albert. And this, this would probably be my, I think maybe my proudest, uh, the the moment that it, that makes me the most proud to be Albertan, uh, but I'm going to start it on a slightly negative note by addressing that Greta Thunberg <laughs> rally. Um, I was there, and I did hear a lot of people complain about the fact that the counter protesters were overblown. There were a lot of counter protesters, and if we keep if we were to pretend that they weren't there, I mean, you could stand anywhere in that rally, look in every direction, and you would see an I heart oil sand sign, and so if we pretend that, that those many, 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 many people were not there, then I think we're just doing ourselves a disservice. However, sometimes we do, I think, exaggerate um, our own, you know, our own vices, our own... Um... Okay, so the nice story. This is where I'm similar to that. Uh, a couple of years ago, um, three blocks away from my house, a, um, a young, deranged... A uh, man drove his car into a police officer, stabbed him multiple times, got a U-Haul, drove downtown, drove down many pedestrians. And, you know, growing up in a, in a Muslim household, um, coming of age around 9-11, you know, I never thought that that would ever come close to where I live. And it inched and inched and inched and inched, all while, you know, the Western world was becoming increasingly Islamophobic and racist, and you know, I'm seeing policies um, in the United States and ideas in Canada. I mean, I, I I'm sorry, but I'll, I'll it's going to be a long time before I forgive the Canadian government or the, sorry, the, the Conservative Party for the the campaign that they ran in 2015. I mean, that was just dark. So I feared the worst. And then the next day, I heard that there was going to be a rally in Churchill Square. Um, and I like, is it for like, it's is it for the victims? Like, is it is it is it you know an anti-terrorism? Like, what what is it? So I go there, and it was um, hundreds and hundreds of people on a really 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 cold September yeah, day. I was there. Yeah, it was. Cold. <laughs> it, it literally started snowing as we were leaving. And um, all these people came together with this very vague but cohesive message of we will not be divided. 
And so on stage, you had people from uh, various Muslim communities, um, Christian communities, uh, multiple ethnicities, but the crowd was actually largely white. And they kind of saw through the bullshit uh, act that that young man did. And, and they also predicted what some of the, the backlash could be. And their message was to both, both the radicals, um, both the, the Islamist radicals who might be watching this and the white supremacists who might be watching this. And their message was, don't fuck with us. We will not be divided. And I turned around and there were two, two people, count them, two counter protesters. Yeah. And one of them had a sign that said, no Sharia in Canada, S-H-A-R-I-A-H. So misspelled. And those Shana were the- Was Shania or Shania? <laughs> no Shania. I'm done with that. In Alberta, very controversial. The, the country crowd despised these people. Um, and that, that was one of those moments where I realized the Alberta I thought I knew, that's not real. And the Alberta that I want to exist is the real one. And that made me super proud. Now, what I would love to see is that message of we will not be divided. Um, I'd love to see us extrapolate that to the rest of Canada because I think that Albertans, unfortunately, are very comfortable with dividing themselves from the rest of this country when actually we rely on each other very, very strongly. And we can't get too self-absorbed thinking that we can do this on our own and Albert's secessionism actually stands a chance. We can't delude ourselves because that, that um, unity that I saw in Edmonton um, on a local level is even more important on a national level and it doesn't matter what it has to do with um, when it comes to pipelines, it's the same thing. So, Omar, to add to your story, thank you, um, and your experience, which is moving in Edmonton, I just want to add a positive thing. That very similar circumstance happened to a mosque in Cold Lake. Was it two years ago? And uh, it was, um, there was, it was vandalized and um, horrible messages were painted on it. So the rural Albertans who I represent drove from an hour in all directions and probably, yep, pretty homogeneous in color, maybe even in gender, and from a variety of faith groups. And they all came there to deliver the exact same message and help the repair of the mosque. I hesitate to say what it is in case there's rules breaking for painting or whatever because I wasn't actually there. But that yeah. that happened out there too. And so And they repaired it like new by the end of the afternoon. Okay, so I guess this yeah. is and so when it this, happened that's again, Alberta. And it happened again to the same mosque and the people came out. And, and that's Alberta. Again. So yes. positive story, but the fact that it happened again not that long after also we have to like we we have to confront that as well sure and people who value and uh, value the you know equal dignity and sanctity of every individual human being and freedom as the underpinning and peace right as the underpinning of our society i agree with you we have to keep confronting it and that's where we concluded our platform discussion then we moved into the question and answer period and began with this question from the floor so the question, in case you didn't hear it, is how do we change the story? If we need to change the way we tell our story, 
how how do we start that? And I want to I want to get an answer not from everybody to every question, mm-hmm. but maybe from Diana and from Jared to this one. Diana, how how do we how do we start to reframe our story? Well, um, just want to say that we have to because I come from a different paradigm, like on my worldview, the worldview of my people, the people I represent, we look at the world differently than what your liberal ideological paradigm is based on. And so we don't have the same, the same, uh, uh, I'm not too sure what they, what those divisions, such as racism, that's not in our paradigm. Our paradigm is there are two-legged entities on this globe, and we are a family. And that's what I called you in my opening remarks, Nwagumagantik. That means we are all related. We are all related, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. <laughs> um, so racism, what it does is it serves to uh, marginalize people, and that division in our case, like indigenous folks, is we become racialized and that becomes the narrative and we are domestic under this umbrella. We are not that. We, and it, it shrouds the fact that we are nations. We are nations of peoples that made international recognized treaties. And so how do we unpack? We, and this is where we are at an advantage because we can deconstruct your paradigm because it's not ours. And we can repack it um, and make the, the isms less than in place of those um, attributes of humanity which come right here from all of us have this frontal lobe, which <laughs> is about empathy, which is about um, higher order thinking, about consciousness, about uh, looking at each other as a brother and a sister and treating each other that way. And that can be done daily and acknowledging people and having courteousness towards each other. And I think that's something that Canada prides itself in <laughs> globally. It's seen as the peacemaker uh, nation state. So let's put that into reality and not continue to per- perpetuate the lies <laughs> about where we come from. Let's look at each other as a human family. And I think that's a really basic, simple thing to do that everybody can participate in. That's beautiful. Jared? I like this idea of a paradigm. So I, I wrote a, a book a while back called Code Politics, where I looked at over 800 pieces of campaign literature from dominant parties in Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. And the code of Alberta politics, shouldn't surprise a lot of you, uh, revolved around themes like freedom, prosperity, civil society, Alberta autonomy, and so on. And you, to your question about how do we retell the story, I think we need to use the same code, but we need to spin it in a different way. So instead of talking about freedom from government, we can start talking about freedom to do things in a positive way. 
instead of talking about prosperity first and the old prosperity doctrine that connects wealth with goodness and so on. Prosperity gospel, yeah. Right, that's the old prosperity gospel, uh, born out in prosperity bucks, um, the Ralph bucks that we heard before. Um, We need to start talking about prosperity for all. We believe in prosperity, but why don't we start talking about prosperity for all? We talk about civil society quite a bit. That's part of Alberta's code. But we don't talk about the communitarian aspects that we just talked about on stage here. That there is actually value in civil society coming together and doing volunteer work, whether it's cleaning up a mosque or, or engaging in other activities. Uh, I think we need to talk about Alberta autonomy, Alberta first, which is part of the code, and, and but spin it in talking about how Alberta is a contributing member of the Confederation family and not keep threatening to leave it. Um, so I think that we take the same code uh, that we've inherited, but we use it in a different way, and, and it does work. It does work. Rachel Notley's 2015 campaign proves that prosperity for all was a message that resonated. One of the reasons why, she, well, that wasn't the only reason, but she fell off that message and it didn't resonate as much with people in 2019. I think that it's not one person that's going to change the conversation and tell that story. It takes every single person in Alberta and it needs to be a recognition of where we were, where we are, where we're going, the good and the bad aspects. So with the, the, the Greta sticker, I mean, you could chalk it up to one person who did it, but it got a long ways before somebody said that's not good. There is a culture of toxic masculinity that allowed it to prevail. It doesn't do any good to deny it. But if you expose it, it may give a lot more men who are scared to speak up confidence to say, no, that's unacceptable, before it ever gets on Twitter or something like that. And so if you ask me one thing, start to change the story by having real conversations about what's bad and what's good and the challenges people are facing and the opportunities this province has to have a positive future. So if you're going to do anything, don't let this be the end. The first thing you should do is have your own little panel around the breakfast table with your entire family and then at lunchtime and then in the grocery store and carry on this conversation because the only way it's going to change is if we talk about it. We, we shine lights on the bad parts and expose them and we, we talk about what the future is going to be of this province in a positive light. So that's why every single Albertan owns the creation of that story. It's not up to the CBC. It's not up to to some one person. It's not even up to one politician that sits in the legislature. It's up to Albertans to create that story. Thank you so much for listening to Reclaiming Our Stories, Episode 4 of this five-part podcast, Alberta Unbound. Thank you to panelists Omar Mawalam, Shannon Stubbs, Diana Steinauer, Doug Griffiths, and Jared Wesley. And thanks, too, to the wonderful audience who joined us at Old Strathcona's ATB Financial Arts Barns, where we recorded this conversation on March 5th, 2020. If you missed the first three episodes, I hope you'll be inspired to go back and listen to them now. And I hope you'll stay with us, too, for our final episode. The Alberta Unbound podcast was edited and produced by Ame Charnalia. And the Alberta Unbound live event was produced by Cynthia Wagner. When you heard me talking about Cynthia showing me her fingers, that's because she was also our floor director, giving me the signal to move on to the Q&A. And Ame, Cynthia, and I all want to thank the amazing team at Fringe Theatre Adventures for all their production support. I'm Senator Paula Simons. Thank you. Merci. And hi-hi. Hi.